from neglected works of Richard Sibbs. The Saints' Comforts, an exposition of Psalm 130. Out of the depths have I cried to you, O God. This psalm is a pithy psalm, and therefore is called a psalm of degrees. Of the reasons the Jews give of this title, but they agree not. Some will have it that these psalms are sung upon the fifteen stairs that went up to the temple. Some call them thus, for that they say they were sung with an extraordinary high voice. All historical truths are not necessary to be known, for Christ did many things that were not written, John 20. The author is not named. However, we may assure ourselves the Spirit of God indicted it, setting down first the state of the writer, verse 1. His courage in that state, he prayed, being in depths, verse 2. Third, the ground of his prayer which was God's mercy, verse 3. His own faith, hope, and patience. His waiting is simply laid down, verse 5, and comparatively, verse 6. And fourthly, an application to the whole church, verse 7, from his own experience of God's mercy and sufficiency, out of the first part. Concerning the state of the writer of this psalm, let us observe these particulars, following in their order. First, that the children of God do fall into depths, and that is into extremity of misery and affliction, which are called depths, because as waters and depths, so these swallow up and drown the soul, and because they compass about the soul, burying it in great, terrible, continued, deep dangers, and these depths of a Christian are either outward or inward. The outward troubles and depths are those of the body, these God's children are afflicted with as Jonah when he was in the bottom of the sea, Joseph in prison, Paul in the dungeon, and these are like the man of God to the Shunammite, 1 Kings 17, verse 18. They do but call our sins to remembrance. But the inward spiritual troubles are the great depths, that is, trouble of mind for sin that lies upon us, causing us to doubt of our state to feel God's wrath, to fear rejection, and excluding from God's presence. This is the soul of sorrow, other outward sorrows being but the carcass of sorrow. The spirit of a man will bear his infirmities, but a wounded spirit who can bear. Proverbs 18, verse 14. In such a state, in regard to the extremity of the burden of the sins of the whole world laid on him, was our head Christ Jesus, making him sweat drops of blood. Luke 22, verse 44, And when he was on the cross, when he cried with strong cries and tears, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But why is this thus, that the prince of our salvation should be in such a depth of misery? I answer, because it was requisite that salvation should be repaired by the contrary means to that in which it was lost. It was lost by lifting up. Adam would be like God. In Christ he regained us by abasing himself. The Son of God must become man and a man of sorrows. And as the head was, so the members have been and must be. Romans 8, verse 29. For we are predestined to be like the image of his Son, and so to pledge him in the same cup in which he drank deep to us. In this plight, we find David often, though a man after God's own heart, and Jonah, a prophet, Hezekiah, and Job especially, why is it thus in our head Christ Jesus has suffered for us? I answer, we must suffer. 
Reason 1. That we may know what Christ suffered for us by our own experience, without which we should but lightly esteem of our redemption. Not knowing how to value Christ's suffering sufficiently, which is a horrible sin. Hebrews 2 verse 3. Secondly, our sufferings, we know what a bitter thing sin is. Jeremiah 2 verse 19. Is by the ill consequences of it. For without the taste of God's wrath, we find nothing but sweetness and pleasure in sin. And therefore we have so much sense of God's wrath as to humble us, but shows not the extremity of the depths of sin, lest we should sink down into despair. Thirdly, by our afflictions and depths, we manifest God's power and glory, the more in our deliverance, for the greater the trouble is, the greater is the deliverance, as the greater the cure is, the greater credit the physician gets. Fourthly, many times, by less evils. It is God's manner to cure the greater, and so he suffers us to fill his wrath, to cure us of carnal security, which is as a grave to the soul. It's also to cure spiritual pride that robs us of grace, dealing with us as he did with the Israelites. He would not cast out all the nations from before them, but left some that might be employed in hunting and destroying the wild beasts which might else multiply against the children of Israel. And so God dealt with Paul, gave him to be vexed by a base temptation, lest he should be lifted up with spiritual pride through the abundance of Revelation, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Fifthly, these depths are left to us to make us more desirous of heaven, or else great men that are compassed about with earthly comforts, alas, with what zeal could they pray, Your kingdom come. No, with Peter they would rather say, Master, it is good for us to be here. And therefore it is God's usual dealing with great men to allow them to fall in a spiritual desertions, to smoke them out of the world whether they will or not. Sixthly, God works by these afflictions in us a more gentleness of spirit, making us meek and pitiful towards those that are in depth, which is one cause of Christ's afflictions. He suffered that he might help and comfort others, he allowed Peter to stumble, that when he was converted he should strengthen his brethren. Luke 22, verse 32. Application 1. Hence, therefore, we learn not to pass a rash censor on ourselves or others that are in such depths as this holy man was in. For the afflicted soul no sinner tastes of this bitter fruit, but presently breaks out into complaints. Never was any thus afflicted as I thinking it impossible that there should be greater crosses than it fails. Indeed, the draft that Christ our head drank for us was far beyond the apprehension of mortal man, and therefore much more beyond his power to undergo. Let us beware how we censor others that are afflicted, for God's ends are hid. It may be God sends afflictions to manifest some excellent graces which lie in him, unknown both of the world and himself. And so he set Job as a flag of defiance against the devil, bidding him do his worst. He should find him upright, and a just man, and therefore we should rather take notice of affliction as a sign of some excellent grace with which God has furnished such. For God will not call out any of his to suffering, but he will get himself honored by it. In the second place, note this doctrine against the profane persons that tush at religion. Make a mock at the dejected condition of those that are good, because they seem despised, afflicted, and forsaken. 
They, alas, are ignorant of God's ways and works. It were much safer for them to consider their own ways and to reason if God deals with his dearest one, with the green trees. What shall become of those that are his enemies, that are dry trees? If such troubles arise to the godly, even from God's love to them, what shall defend the wicked when the vials of God's wrath shall be poured down upon them, when they shall call to the rocks and mountains to hide, cover, and defend them? Revelation 6 verse 16 If the righteous hardly are saved, where shall the ungodly appear? 1 Peter 4 verse 18 And to conclude, know that the afflictions of the children of God are far better than the pleasures of sin. Doctrine number two. Observe we, though Christians fall into depths, yet God upholds them, that they don't sink down into them without recovery. Thus it was with our head, though he on a sudden apprehended not the presence of God, though as he thought himself forsaken, yet he could even at the word say, My God. So also Jonah, in chapter 2, verse 4, I said I was cast out of your sight, yet I will look towards your holy temple. For the Spirit of God is in them, and where it is, it is stronger than hell. Yea, though the grace be but as a grain of mustard seed. Again, as there are depths of misery in a Christian, so in God there are depths of love and of wisdom. Faith, where it is, unites the soul to Christ and to God through him and draws down divine power to lay hold on the almighty power of God by true and fervent prayer, at whose rebuke the waters of affliction flee away. And so the stronger the faith is, the stronger is the delivery. For it is of a mighty power, enabling us to wrestle with God as Jacob did. Thus, when we lay hold on God, and God on us, what can drown us? Fourthly, it is the nature of God's work and to be by contraries in his works of creation, making all things of nothing. In his works of providence, he saves by little from greatest dangers, that he might bring us to heaven. He allows us to go down even into hell to see our worst state, to humble us. It may therefore be a cause why many men lie long in afflictions, even because they come not low enough to see their sins in need of help. In glorifying our mortal bodies, he first brings them to the grave, that they may rot and corrupt and so be refined and molded anew. This would teach us a note of difference between those that are God's children and those that are not. Those that are his, when they are in danger, go to him. They have ever that hold by faith as to say, Yet God is good to Israel. Others seek to escape by desperate undoing of themselves, as Saul and Judas and Ahithophel, for all the strong natural parts, and indeed such are in most danger of such courses of all other, for God will tread on such for their pride. Contrarily, he mingles comforts in the worst state that his children are in, with griefs, one to humble them, the other to support them from despair, and so he sets them in a rock that is higher than they. Secondly, it should teach us in all extremities how to carry ourselves. We should take heed of this dream of grief, striving against it as we desire a note of our good state. Take heed how we think that God forsakes us. It is an imputation and unbefitting him that never forsakes his. Take heed of judging ourselves by sense. Is meat sour because one that is sick does not relish it? No. 
default is in its indisposition. So in such desertions, be sure that you retain your anchor of hope, though contrary to hope. And therefore, in the next place, we should answer God's dealings by our dealing. He works by contraries. We should judge by contraries. Therefore, if we be in misery, hope and wait for glory. In death, look for life. In sense of sin, assure yourself of pardon. For God's nature and promises are unchangeable. And when God will forgive, he lets us see our troubles. And therefore, with resolute Job says, though he kills me, I will yet trust in him. But to come particularly, I will set down cures of such depths as may arise from several causes, and these depths are either imaginary or real. Christians sometimes think themselves to be in depths when indeed they are not, but it is only imaginary, raised it may be from a melancholy distemperature of the spirits, which also distempers the reasonable working of the mind, raising its false and feigned conceits of their souls as it does in many of their bodies, and yet these conceits have real effects, as in Jacob who sorrowed as truly for Joseph, as if he were indeed dead. Therefore, for the avoiding of this, do not be alone. A friend and good company are made for such times, for the devil sets on men in such cases most when they are alone, and then the strongest are then too weak for him. And do not believe your own fancy, but rather believe those that can discern better than we ourselves can. We know how men have been deceived thus. And therefore, when we are advised us by friends and counsel, let us suspect that it is a motion of the devil, or a fancy of your own that thus troubles you. There is another depth that is imaginary. Conclude, because they have not so much grace as others. They have not so much subduing and propelling power over sin. Therefore they have no grace at all, dear damned hypocrites and the like. Little do they think that perfection is not attainable here, but is reserved to the blessedness of that other life hereafter. Little do they look to the imperfections of the best of saints, and the great depths that they have been in. And indeed they do not know what the covenant of grace requires, nor perfect fulfilling of the law by our own persons, for that was the end of the law. But the covenant of grace requires sincerity with growth. And this is the only perfection which we can look for here. Another depth also there is which arises from the taking of the motions of the devil for those of his own corrupt nature. The baseness and unreasonableness of them makes them think they cannot be God's children and have such a detestable motions within them. Let such know that such shall be cast upon Satan's score, and it is a sign rather that such are none of the children of the devil, who if they were would suffer them to rest in quiet without vexing them. Again, some men fall into another depth, which arises from an apprehension of God's forsaking them. To such I give this advice, that they judge not of themselves by their distemper, for a sinful conscience puts a veil sometimes between God and us, hiding its favor, which nevertheless may be as great to us than as at any other time, and it may be intended by God to drive us to him by scourging us from our wicked ways and sin which formerly we lived in by faith. Therefore pull off the visor from the face of God. Do not judge according to your present appearance but by God's nature and his promise, who has said he will be with us forever, that no temptation shall be above measure. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. Judge by his nature, 
who is unchangeable, and thus did the Canaanitish woman see Christ's love in nature under his frowning look. But as this Joseph hide his love in person from his brethren out of an increase of love, not out of any ill intent. Again, in such a case, let us be sure we trust others that are our friends rather than ourselves. I mean in time of temptation, whereas others can better discern of our health by our spiritual pulses than we ourselves, who then are blinded in such cases there is a trial of faith and love. There is another sort of depths, and these are before conversion. And so Paul was troubled. Lord, what shall I do? And thus was Manasseh. Let such consider the commandment to humble them and cast themselves on Christ and his promises, considering the end of Christ's coming was to seek and save that that was lost. And if anyone shall find himself already escaped, such depths, as are formerly mentioned, let him take comfort to himself as being by this evidently proved to be the child of God. For that is utterly impossible that nature should overcome such difficulties. And to that end, let him reason after this sort. God's children go to him in depths. I go only to him in depths. Therefore I am God's child. For to have the spirit of prayer to go to God in time of trouble, it is the work of the spirit. A natural man does not have it. Hence, therefore, in the next place, note a sure sign of the true religion, namely, to be able to support men in danger and in spiritual troubles. This is verified in ours as a subtle Jesuit will acknowledge, while they hold that repose in ourselves merely on mercy and favor in Christ and not on man's good's work. It's the safest way. Why, therefore, they live by their uncomfortable rules, and when they die, fly for succor to these, which in their lifetime they despise. Moreover, let this be a ground to encourage us never to give over God's cause. He has said he will not leave us, so we be in depth of our sins. If we belong to him, and therefore much less will he leave us in that work which he himself sets us about. He was with Daniel among the lions, with Moses in the bulrushes, with the three children in the fire, with his church through fire and water. Lastly, let us therefore be sure to keep God as our friend that he may own us, else when we cry he will not hear us, acquaint ourselves with him, as it is in Job 22 verse 21, in prosperity he will be our refuge.